0: Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Open your Bibles, if you could, to uh, Revelation 19. Revelation 19. Oh, man, I need a bigger uh, desk up here. Let's see. Hmm couple things as we start the last month of this year. Can you believe Christmas is almost here? (laughs) It's unbelievable. It's a fast, fast moving year. A couple things coming up. We've been looking at 2024, not 2014, 2024 for a while. And uh, we have plans. We have schemes, as they say in England. Sounds, that's a negative word here. It's not in England. But anyway, We've got strategies, strategies going on. And uh, one of them next year is we're gonna encourage going through the Bible in one year. And uh, you may not be able to go through every verse in one year. I challenge you on that, if you're able to do that, at least one time in your life do that, let's make 2024 that year. 2024 is going to be a a tremendously tumultuous year. I really do believe that for many, many reasons, wars and elections and all kinds of things are going on. and we need to be stabilized by the word of God, what Josh Taylor just shared a few minutes ago. I mean, it, it, that is our, it's, it's what we plan ourselves on. We, we love the Lord Jesus Christ, why not read his book? And uh, that book is empowered to change your life. So we're, we're entering a Bible study. We're gonna be doing a weekly podcast. Ashley and myself, we've basically been doing that without, without recording it for a year, year and a half now. We talk daily about the Word of God, things we're discovering in the Word of God. So we thought about taking it to a podcast, Father, Daughter, and we're gonna just talk about what we're getting through that reading that week. And so if you wanna be a part of that, we'll be doing that every week. You can pick up with where we are. If you miss a week or something, it's fine. We'll catch you up you know, by what we talk about. And we wanna talk about in real terms how to apply the Word of God into our personal life and culture. And so I think it's going to be a great thing. I hope you like it too. We're also launching in January, Building Beautiful. Building Beautiful is a a, a capital finance raising moment. It's going to be three years long. We're going to feature on uh, debt elimination, also the building of a new facility. It's on our hearts right now to build a facility similar to this, a little bit smaller, similar to this, not quite as high. But it's going to be for children, youth, and young adults. So we've got a lot of ideas. Our architect is having fun in uh, bringing it about. We want to be able to do indoor games you know, when we want and just have it be used throughout the week. But also the extra space we need for so many of our events right now. We're, we're uh, highly limited on what we have here uh, because of that. So that's coming up. We'll be introducing that. So you see Building Beautiful Uh, which is a term we used 10 years ago, actually, in the 2014 that was part of what built this, uh, this building, this other building over here, was building beautiful. We're going at it again. Conferences are coming, Holy Spirit Conference. I was gonna say this, but it was up there. You need to sign up really quick because it's going up in price. We're over 400 right now. This, this will sell out. It'll probably sell out quick. It might sell out this week. So I encourage you, you won't wanna miss this. We've pulled it together in such a way to um, accommodate the study that we're doing throughout this next year in scripture. Uh, also, the next year, we got Tommy Zito coming in. I'm meeting with him actually tomorrow night. Tommy Zito, Power and Love with uh, Sean, Todd White. I always want to call him Sean, Todd White. Todd White, uh, just make sure I never do that when he's here, okay? And Randy Clark uh, at the end of the year. So it's going to be a lot of fun this year, and we're going to experience a lot of input into our lives, and we're going to grow. We're going to grow immensely, immensely we are and we have the parking for it right now so uh, sign up for the Holy Spirit Conference because it's Friday night, midnight it, uh, it goes up uh, we're going with Flourish again we, I really prayed about this we're going as our theme we just changed our logo our, our trademark logo for it uh, and you'll see it as it pops up in t-shirts, sweatshirts, so forth but we're, gonna, we're going into 2024 Flourishing and I encourage you to find your place in this church we need you we need you to give. We need you to volunteer. There are days coming when the relationships that we have here are going are to be even more important, and you're going to feel the need for that and, and wonder why you didn't get into the depths of knowing one another. And I'll be talking a lot about that next year. I really believe there's, a, there's not just a growing church, there's growing people, and there's a community that God is forging that's going to be a huge blessing to this community called Brunswick, all right? So that's coming up this uh, next year, and we look forward to it. Hey, turn with me, if you could, over to Revelation 19. I want to talk a little bit today about the prophetic. And I'm weaving it into a, a series over the next three weeks, just right up to Christmas Eve day, Don't forget, Christmas Eve morning, we're gathering together. It's a good day. I know it's a busy day. It's a good day to come to church and bring your kids and celebrate together and worship together on the day before Christmas. And so uh, we're going on this, the testimony of Jesus, the story of Jesus, over 390 prophetic words spoken over the man Jesus that came in the right time in the right place with the right stuff. And uh, amazing. I was watching a, surprisingly, a History Channel uh, re, uh, video, a movie on um, Jesus. I forget the title of it. and I, I don't know yet that I'd fully recommend it, but whatever. It's, but it's the, it's the view of those that were around him. And it's done in a video fashion. So I was watching, I watched a bit of it, and, and it was interesting because, of course, they're taking him as a man, historic figure, rather than a spiritual uh, uh, entity. He's a historic figure that shaped, was a, part, a huge part of the shaping of culture and civilization. And I thought, well, it's way more than that, but I get it. That's pretty good. You know, he, he did set the seeds of Western civilization. People would like to debunk that on universities around the United States right now, but it's really true it's historical fact that the principles and things that came from Jesus Christ and his word, the Torah, and then eventually the New Testament, shaped the civilization that we work in now. And the farther that we get away from that shaping, when we start treating the word of God and the U.S. Constitution as fluid documents, uh, that are up to interpretation, you know. That are sometimes pretty plain, actually, but are up for interpretation. When you get into that, you go down a slippery slope of, of ending up in a place where you believe in very little, and you'll be on the wrong side of history uh, in the future. So I encourage you now: get on the right side of history. Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in His Word. I'm telling you in the wind. In the end, he wins. And so um, regardless of all the things that we're going through right now. So in Revelation 19, I I wanna call people to a a prophetic activation today because we're moving into this holiday season. It's an amazing time to encourage people that you're with. When I was writing this the other day, it came to my mind in in, uh, uh, 2001 when 9-11 hit. And, of course, the country was devastated for weeks, you know, months, and, and really up to this day, it has affected all of us. You know, the, the thoughts, most of us know exactly where we were on that day, what we are doing, and everything else. But I'll never forget, during that week, it was like just a couple days after 9-11, I was in a Best Buy, I was returning something, I don't know what it was, it was a really long line there. Uh, and, uh, we're standing in line. You got to remember the moment that was in history there where people were still stunned and it was a little bit of fear and worry that was in the air. Is there going to be more attacks or what's going to happen? You know, I was in lines, African-American woman was standing in front of me. You know, you don't typically talk to other people in your line at Best Buy. You know, you're there to do business, get your things returned and get out the door. You have things to do, like go to Starbucks or something like that. You know, so we, we just, you know, we're just there in line. I looked over to her and she looked over at me and I said, so what do you think? Well, what kind of opening line is that? But in the moment, she didn't have to go, what do you mean? What are you talking about? What do you mean, what do I think? I said, what do you think? She goes, it's horrible, isn't it? I said, yes, it is. I mean, we had a moment. I prayed with her, you know, we just had a moment together, but it's like the, the, the veneer of Happiness and contentment is ultra thin right now. And there's a whole lot of people out there that are really struggling a lot. I see it every day. I encourage people. Every, I gave someone a book the other day I really don't know. I just know them because they run a coffee shop and I like the coffee. And I felt the Lord tell me to give them a certain book and I gave it to them. It's called The Economics of the Parables. I've been reading, in fact, I got it right here, I think. Economics of the Parables, great book. Goes through the parables and show how the Bible's very much interested in how we handle our money. And actually, how we handle our money is a tool. It's an instrument of your shaping. How you hand, handle your money speaks a lot about your development. And the Lord designed it that way, going way back to barter systems uh, thousands of years ago. I mean, there's something about money that actually rises to the level where in the Bible it's compared to your love and commitment levels with God. And it says you either got to love God or mammon. You can't love both. And so that's an effect on your life. So we exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the power that money has in our culture. And yet we learn how to master it. It will not master us. We will master it. And so anyway, yeah, thank you. It's my sister there clapping. No, it's uh, not really, but anyway. We, uh, we easily get... Get tied up with the things of the world. Focus on Jesus Christ. Fix your eyes upon him. So when you talk about Jesus, when you begin to encourage people, it opens up a door that I want to talk about just briefly that I've explored a number of times. Actually, my second book I wrote in 2019 is based on this verse. And I, it came up to me because this is mentioned four different times in the Bible, particularly in the book of Revelation. The testimony of Jesus and so I just dug into it deep this week to even deeper than I did in 2019. And said, well, what is that testimony of Jesus? So I want to read it to you and talk about it because as you speak about Jesus and as you speak on behalf of the Lord and as you step outside of yourselves and open up your world to what Jesus is doing, when you see Jesus where you are, and you move and respond to what the Lord would do, the WWJD, remember those? What was that, the 90s or 80s? I don't know. All the little bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do? It even hit pop culture, movie stars were wearing WWJD. Then they started spoofing it all over the place, you know, but WWJD is actually a good phrase. What would Jesus do? But it's not just that, it's what would Jesus do? What would Jesus think? What would Jesus observe? What would Jesus respond to? What would Jesus think about every situation he's facing? When you walk into a room, you are sizing up the room in Christ. Praise God. You are sensing from your spiritual gut. That's the only way I can define the spirit inside of you. You get gut impressions. Jordan Peterson, same as the famous psychologist, he says, the gut is one of your best guides for life. He says, when you feel something about someone that's a warning, take it serious. I've always believed that, that there's something, the God fingerprint inside of us. I just don't go around saying, well, let me see how I feel about this person. Let me see how I feel about that person. But you know what I mean? There's certain people you meet and you just feel like, whoot, 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 alarms. (laughs) It's like, okay. Yeah, you may want to talk to Joel. That's what I tell him. Send him to Joel. Go to Kim. Kim will straighten this thing out for you. It's above my pay grade. So there's certain people when the alarms go off and you you learn to trust that. Psychologists actually identify it as as, you know, it's just a it's an it's ancient response. It's kind of like a survival reactional response. It's the finger of God on your life. You were you were made in the image of God and you discern moments, you understand moments. What do you do with those moments? There are moments you need to avoid. I don't know if I know what those are yet because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So when you get engaged in a moment, you, you go for that moment. You understand that something's going on. This week, I got an email from my bus, oops, my bus riding friend in high school. I haven't talked to him in 50 years. And I, uh, he just said, man, I'm wondering about you. And we were, we were like, you know how you have bus friends? If you rode on a bus, you got bus friends. you got, you got study hall friends. you got cafeteria friends. You know, you got, you got different classes of friends. I mean, you're probably saying, I didn't have any friends, you know. I didn't have that many either, but I had at least one in each of those classes, you know. And so you have different friends that you're in in science because you're friends with them because they understand it. And you don't. And so you make friends with them. You know, I made a lot of friends with them over the years. So uh, it's the only way I got through uh, high school. So you have these different levels of, of friends and you, you build relationships out of that. You create a world. And now it's, it's, you're going in and you're sensing and feeling things about people. Honestly, you can feel it the other way too. You can meet someone and think, this person's going to be a friend. So when my friend Steve, his name is Steve, my bus friend, emailed me, I was like shocked. I think of him all the time. I only think of him particularly because if he's watching right now, I'll tell you, Steve, uh, when I drive by your house on 130th Street in North Royalton, I always think of you. And he was a very mild kind of uh, meek. Uh, We were both, you know, in that kippy culture thingy going on, you know, and, and, you know, where you, you tried to act dumb and act blown up and out of your mind and, and stunned and, and drugged and all that, even if you weren't, you know, it's just a cool thing to do. So yeah, 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 yeah man, wow, whoo, amazing, amazing. That's the way we communicate, back and forth. You build a certain bond on the bus like that, you know, especially if there's bullies on the bus. You learn how to deal with the bullies. And so it's, it's connection now. When that happens out of the blue, it strikes me. I'm like, what is this? what is God doing? What is God wanting to do? I mean, I looked him up on the internet and there's actually a preserve in Florida, like I think it's 2000 acres or something like that. Preserve, natural preserve that's named after him. I'm like, all right, man, you did something really powerful in your life, you know? And so we've been talking back and forth via email. We're going to get together and have lunch. He's, he's got a place up here in uh, Ohio and we're going to connect together, but it's things like that I do not ignore. I know that my God is bigger than my imagination. People go, oh, you think he's taking all that time for you? He's got like eight billion people in the world. You know what? He has the exact amount of time for every one of those eight billion people. If we're one of a billion stars in our galaxy... And our galaxy is one of a billion galaxies in the universe. God can handle eight billion people 24 7 in your dreams and when you're awakened. He can be there for you. So I look for him all the time because he walks through with me all the time. His rod and his staff, whatever that means, comforts me. He's got a rod. To fight things off, he's got a staff in order to handle the responsibilities, the sheep that he has, the rod and the staff. They comfort me. He is there to comfort me in every situation. He will make me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He, in other words, he makes me lay down sometimes and he leads me over here and says, it's by still waters, Not bubbling waters, still waters. Why? Because he is intimately in love with you. And when you come to a revelation of that, number one, it is one of the most uh, humbling moments in your life. Why me? But then when you rise up into sonship and you realize who you are, now it's like, "Ooh, I got God on my side. If God be for me, who can be against me? This is going to work to my benefit. He will prosper me. I will go through difficult situations. I will go through challenges, but he will be with me. He died, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father, and sent his Holy Spirit to be my helpmate, helper. His Holy Spirit, I love the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is always messing with my head messing with my day, showing me things, winking, all this kind of stuff. Now i got one of these, uh, periodically, uh, I've convinced myself this is good for my health. I eat a dark chocolate because they're in the back. We give them out to visitors. I do throw some money in there periodically, but I go by there and my mind's just kind of pre-programmed to get a dark chocolate. I go, yeah, that's right. Dark chocolate. It's good for you. So you open it up and I didn't realize this until a short time ago because I usually eat the chocolate and I don't really look at the package. But I realized that it's, it's got something in there that that's like a little, like a fortune cookie kind of a thing, you know? And so I didn't know that. Look at all the possible things that I missed over the years, you know, but of words that I could have encouraged me in some way. But uh, but I I I was having it one of those days it was about two weeks ago. And uh, um, I was... Because of some stuff that happened, and if this sounds weird to you, I'm sorry, this does happen periodically. Have you ever questioned your life? Have you ever thought, man, what was that about? You know, and that, what was that about wasn't a moment. It was like your whole life. What was that about? Like any, I could have made so many different turns there. I could probably be in poverty right now, or I could, I could be very wealthy. I could probably... You know, have a job that influences a lot of people or I could—I have a job that doesn't influence really anyone. I don't know. But you wonder at times, you look back and you go, should I have made a different choice? So I was having one of those days. I said, look, was it my call to come back to Cleveland? I do, I do think about that a lot. <laughs> Especially on the, these winter days when the cloud moves in and it leaves in March sometime, you know, it's like the... The cloud of glory that's over the whole city, you know, and the, the snow machine that comes out of the lake and everything, all this stuff, you know, and there's days where you might, do your thoughts ever do that? Like, you know, probably not, but, but I do. I, and I was thinking about it and I said, Lord, did you call me to this? Lord, I, I, I just, I don't know. And so, you know, I, I, this one I kept though. I, uh, I, so I opened up the uh, little chocolate that day. Hopefully i put it in here. Let me see. Yeah, here it is. There it is. Look, woo. All right, one dark chocolate. So I opened it up, getting ready to throw it away, and I just looked at it. I thought it says something in there. Here's what it says this is from Dove Chocolates. It says, It's your call. That's all it says. I don't know what this one says. <laughs> it could say it's not your call. I don't know. <laughs> I know there's people out there that, particularly ministers that would watch this right now, you watching watching, they go, well, that's just silly. You, I mean, God doesn't have time. To, he does. He does. He speaks. He's eternal. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. Look at Revelation 19.10. It says this. Apostle John encountered the angel at Patmos, at Patmos. Some friends of mine are in Patmos right now. It says in verse 10, and I fell at his feet. So an angel comes to John. John is the beloved, the best friend of Jesus. A younger guy, probably 17 years old when he was following Jesus. He's now probably in his 90s. He's exiled to an island of Patmos as, as punishment. They tried to boil him in oil and he didn't die. And so they exiled him after he had allegedly built a house for Jesus' mother Mary up in Greece, uh, which actually uh, seems to have a view of Patmos. It's a really strange kind of a thing in history, but you gotta realize all these people lived back then. They were humans. They had the same emotions, desires, dreams, things like that. So John, John encounters this angel that is, that is a force to be reckoned with. Verse 10, he says, I fell at his feet to worship him. It must have been pretty awesome. I remember this guy's matured now. He's in his 90s, 80s, 90s, pretty old. And he's seen a lot in his lifetime. He's the only apostle still alive. All the rest of them have been martyred. And Jesus said he wouldn't be martyred. So here he is all these years later. It may be some guilt, survival guilt in him. I don't know. But he, he sees this amazing creature. He falls down. But the, but the angel says to him, see that you do not do that. This is such a stiff warning. It's very important to the church over the years to not, to not worship messengers. In ancient Christian understanding, it was a problem with angels. They were, people were worshiping angels. They were ascending them at a higher level than they need to be. The worshiping of angels. It's referred to in scripture. And I don't think we do that now. Certain church traditions might, but we don't. Sometimes I think if we talk about angels too much that we may be bordering, exalting them in some way. But I don't know. But I think we do exalt preachers in America. We get people in our heads. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. It's probably happened to me 30 or 40 times in my lifetime. I mean, I grew up loving Jimmy Swaggart and Jim Baker because they were on TV, you know, and it was a big thing to be on TV. And, uh, and then, of course, the big blow-up back in the 80s, you know, of, of the organizations and lifestyles and things like that. Many of you may remember that. Many of you don't even know who I'm talking about. But anyway, these were people that I, I, I loved. I loved Billy Graham. Thank God Billy Graham stayed free of controversy His whole life, if there's anyone that's worthy of adoration, not not worship, but adoration, it'd be Billy Graham. And so if you get in, you can tell when you're in messenger worship, if they fall and you feel totally crushed by it. I mean, crushed to the point where you're going to deconstruct, you're going to walk away from Christ, you're not going to go to church anymore. I hear it a lot. I don't say, I was going to say all the time, I don't hear it all the time, but I hear it a lot. People go, I'm not coming anymore because of what's going on with so-and-so, or, what happened over there? And I'm like, is that your relationship with Jesus? We don't know who's perfect. Actually, we do. Nobody. They're perfect in Christ. But the scripture still talks about us moving forth toward that perfection that God's called us into. So we, we, we are thankful for Brian Simmons. We're thankful for Michael Koulianis. We're thankful for Heidi Baker. We're thankful for Steph Gretzinger. We're thankful for all those uh, Zito and all the other ones that come. We, we like them. And we're crushed when things happen to them in the way that, oh, it's sad. But what do you do? You don't even abandon them. You you move in and double down on your love. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you do. Christians are really good at, at throwing away friends. Yeah. They really are. I mean, just one sin and you're gone, you know. <laughs> it's done. It depends on the sin. We'll let you do a few little ones. Things that I do, you can do. <laughs> but the big sins, if you do a big sin, What? I mean, there's stuff floating around now that I know about, you don't know about. Not, not about here, around the country. You know, and you, you wait for it to hit the fan. It's gonna hit the fan. When it hit the fan, people are gonna be affected by it. And so I prepare for it. I'm like, okay, I need to be ready. I need to understand this, need to get involved in it so that when this happens, there can be a sense of like, it's gonna be okay. You're gonna be fine. You're gonna get through this. Some of you may be in this church because the last pastor uh, blew it. Fell, had difficulty, whatever. Squandered, take, took money or it wasn't his or illicit relationships or whatever it might be. If, you know what? It's a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing. And there's a heavy price to pay if not in hell on earth itself. Right. It becomes hell on earth really quick. I know, I've known enough of them that have fallen to know what it's like. I still love these men and these women. I still, I still pray for them. You know, and at times you, you lose contact and all that, but there's, there's one thing for sure for us to focus on who the Lord is and what He does, we've got to get out of all idolatry toward people that we, you can respect, you can revere them, but do not uh, worship them to the point where when they make a mistake or when they fall, you're devastated by it. So here, um, the angel tells John, No, don't, don't do that. I'm your fellow servant. What a humility. We don't know who this angel was, but what humility to say, I'm, I'm, I'm a servant with you, a different kind of servant, <laughs> fellow servant, and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Emphatically, he says after that, worship God. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus. So this is all mixed in. This is all entwined here. Worship God. Our worship here this morning is unto the Lamb of God. I mean, we can't be, I saw someone the other day on uh, on internet, might have been you, I don't know, but they, they had this something about, they saw someone drinking a coffee during worship and it upset them because they were putting their coffee before Jesus. And I understand that. I understand being distracted in worship and stuff like that. I don't think that's really what Scripture's referring to. And so I would kind of disagree with that. Uh, I drink tea because it, it gets my throat ready to speak for three times today here in Middleburg Heights and, and Akron, you know, and so I, I, I'm tending to that. And I don't think it's a problem. I mean, fellowship with God, I can, that's why we allow people to bring coffee into the sanctuary. That's why we have concrete floors in here. It's easier to clean up. So we want to worship God we worship God. And we understand we approach Him with boldness and, and a bit of casualness because we're His family. I don't know about jumping on His lap and ooh, God, you know, love you. I mean, I I I think there, there might be limits because He's our father. But He's also King of the universe, Creator of all things. And yet he has deep love for us. So I don't know where, you know, there's, things are appropriate at different times and seasons. But on Sunday morning in worship, we are worshiping God. When you do that, when you have the testimony of Jesus on your life and your focus is the worship and adoration of heaven, believing who God is, when you do that, a whole other arena opens up to you, which is the, the spirit of prophecy. And what that is that's defined over and over through Scripture, that, spiritual, that that spirit of prophecy, when you talk about Jesus during this Christmas season, as you see various people that you know and love and some that you don't even know, talk about Jesus. If there's any time of the year we need to talk about Jesus, it's December. Maybe Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving to December, through December, because people are tuned into it. The rest of the year, they're turned into Halloween witches. Turned into nationalism about our country. Nothing wrong with that, just saying. Whatever it might be, July 4th and everything else, Mother's Day, Father's Day. But this time right now, in the Christian mindset, is a holy season. Holy day. Holy day. Moving up, you go, yeah, yeah, but you know, it's all paganism. I mean, the trees are pagans. They brought those in. You know, it's evergreen. It's like... Yeah, I read, I read those articles. But I like evergreen trees, and I like lights. And uh, uh, I mean, something overtly pagan that people are using now. I, you know, I probably avoid that. But I don't see a lot of pagans using trees in terrible ways. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a tree and a star at the top, yeah. Yeah. which is Christian. It's the star that the magi followed. So we we love the season, but the gift giving and everything else, sometimes it robs us of the central focus that we're in a season right now, particularly in America, where people, particularly with what we're facing right now, in the Ukraine, in Palestine and Israel. What we're facing in the economy, what we're facing in our lives, what we're facing with the invasion, the tsunami of wokeism that has come in and, and caused, is forcing people to think in a different way without any objection. And in some places, this is proven, we know it, in some places, those who oppose that, they find a way to jail you or they find a way to take your money. And if that continues, it will only get worse. Once you open a door in government, (laughs) it's pretty easy for it to just swing open. So what do we do in the midst of that? The best thing you have in your life right now is your relationship with Jesus Christ that will stand firm in your life through everything that we face right now. We have to be on the offense. I'm not talking about being offensive. But we've been on the defense so long. Let's believe that God is greater than everything that's going on around us. Let's believe that the words we speak make a difference. Let's believe that God is big enough that I can open a chocolate. (laughs) Hey, who wants this, by the way? Anyone want this? Right over here. Third, fourth row there, sir. Oh, oh, it went, oh, look at that. What a blessing. Ashley's taking it over to her. There you go. That's exactly right. All right. Let me know what it says in there. If it's good, it's mine. (laughs) We're in a time right now that if you can break out, if you worship God, have the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, it's going to open over your life. I, I mean, I had a lot of people this week, a lot of people this week asking me like, how did you get 240 words over people? I said, it wasn't 240. It was closer to 270 because of the people that sent emails to me afterwards last week when I made that big boo-boo of saying, if you didn't have a chance by the way, that offer's over. But if you didn't have a chance to go to the Christmas banquet and get that word, email me because you didn't get a chance, and and they flooded in. So it was like I don't know, two hundred seventy something like that, two hundred seventy words. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I because like if you say right now, I'll do that right now. I, you know, I, I don't know that I could do it. But when when you when you step into a realm, when you understand that God, I mean. I'd look at a name, because I had the names, I'd look at a name, and instantly, the, by the way, there's things I couldn't write. I was talking to Sharon Walney about it before the service, things I couldn't write because it's too personal, and we're putting these things up on a big screen, you know? So, uh, and the, some, of it was encouragement, some of that was encouraging, and I, and I was very careful not to write things that were negative, that wasn't the purpose of it, and so I put out some guidelines Friday night about how those words should be interpreted. But I tell you, if you open that door up, it opens into a great expanse of limitless revelation and understanding. The first time I did it was, I think it was about it must have been is in the eighties. I was ministering in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, uh, it was about it was four hundred people there we're in a, they were in a public auditorium. And, uh, uh, I was excited to be out there and minister and it was a real good response and everything. So I said, look, anyone that feels you need a word from the Lord, just stay after and I'll minister to you. The rest of you, God bless you. We'll see you, uh, you know, next week or whatever. Well, all 400 stayed <laughs> 400. and I remembered. I said, I even got back on the mic and said, hey, we're going to start ministering to people that need prophetic words. The rest of you, God bless you, you can go, you know. We're all looking around like, yeah, no, well, no, we're not going. Three and a half hours later, I finished. I learned how to do prophetic very fast that day. And, uh, but the response was unlike anything I'd ever seen in my life. I know nothing about these people, nothing about them. I mean, sometimes information is a distraction, (laughs) you know. So looking at names of people that I generally know is a distraction. But I tell you instantly, when you tell the testimony of Jesus in your life, you just start talking about Jesus, you do what you know Jesus would do, it instantly opens up this ancient understanding of a spirit of prophecy. Because prophecy is... Is highly valued in New Testament understanding. Let me just give you this. I got a few minutes left, but the testimony of Jesus, here's three thoughts on it. Jesus has transformed your story. That's your testimony of Jesus. You were once lost, now you're found. That's the testimony of Jesus. But it's not just that, it's the gospel of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is his life, not even what he did to you. It's the testimony of who Jesus is that he came to die for you, to eradicate sin to free you from the bondages and to bring you into liberty and promise you eternal life. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ through his cross, his shed blood. So that's that's part of the testimony too. It also speaks to your life and your hope. So the testimony of Jesus is the fact that, in fact, your life in Jesus speaks to a better future for the entire world. They may not know that, but it is true. Your life in Christ makes you a better person. I'm not saying elitism, you're better than other people. I'm talking about the quality of who you are. When you bring Jesus into your life, when you talk about Jesus, when you focus on Jesus, when you focus upon his words, you become a better citizen. You do. You become a better person. You become a better husband, a better wife, better son or daughter. Kindness begins to move into you because it's the, it's the essence of who God is when you invite God into your life. It's the leaven that fills the lump, man. He is going to push out a lot of that bad stuff. I used to love in the 90s, John Arnett from Toronto, when he prayed for people, he'd say, good in, bad out. Good in, bad out. I thought, I like that. That's, that's reduced theology right there, bubbled down. <laughs> bad, good in, bad out. I'm still learning it. Good in, bad out. And it, it's powerful. It encourages. That's the testimony of Jesus. When you speak over someone, you are speaking the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. Romans 1.9 says this, and I don't know if I, I, don't have time to go into that. Let me just put it this way. Nature declares the general revelation. I could, I could almost go as far as saying as nature. I will say it. Nature prophesies every day. That's why it's important to be in nature. We were not meant to be spend all of our lives in closed buildings like this. You're, you need to get outside. You need, look at, look at it. I got to give you these few verses. Hold on just for another minute. Cindy's at home today, so it may not matter whether I show up on time or not. See, so it says, it says, uh, <laughs> she's watching right now, so. Romans 1.19 is very powerful. It says, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. How? How did God show it to them? Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, so this prophecy was released thousands of years ago. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Isn't that an ironic statement? <laughs> his invisible attributes are clearly seen. All right. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and God's head, so that they are without excuse. Theologically, they call this general revelation. Nature speaks to his nature. What you see in nature, when you see things that, you know, I like dog videos, cat videos, bird videos, I like watching them, and you see it, it's just like, oh, that's Oh, oh, I send them to everyone, you know, all my kids. They, sure, they love them, I'm sure. And uh, you, you send those out because it's like, yeah, this, this is, I mean, it, it, the creature is like this, how much more is the creator, the, the very essence of heaven is sown is into everything that we see on earth? It says in, in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. When I, when I walk trails in Italy, someone asked me Friday night, how many times you've been to Italy? <laughs> I said, six, six. Last, uh, two times ago, we went over to hike, you know, we hike. I mean, it is like a spiritual journey. You're walking through the top of these mountains and say Tuscany, the, the scenery, the field, the, the whole atmosphere, uh, it, it's just, it's, it, it's like a, a soaking, it's it's like spiritual soaking. And everything speaks to you. The heavens declare the glory of God and affirmative shows his handiwork. Listen to this verse two. Day unto day, day unto day, utters speech. This is speaking of nature. And night unto night reveals knowledge. You see all this that's out there? You get outside and take a walk, I walk 40 minutes every day. <laughs> Generally outside Cleveland not always. It's either a treadmill or walking. I love walking though. What happens? I get so, I mean, I'm walking, I'm just taking notes like this constantly, you know, like, whoa, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, and every little thing that happens, you get a sense, you get a feel because you're walking in the revelation of his creation. What has happened? Romans 8 says this, for the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Isn't it interesting that creation is waiting for us to be revealed? Think about that. That's a heavy, isn't it? It says that, that it's waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, for the creation was subjected to futility, verse 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from a bondage of corruption into glorious liberty, so it's not just us, it's creation and the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. I wrote in my notes here, if the natural world speaks, shouldn't we? Let's all stand together. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com give.